0: Let's turn for our sermon passage to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Therefore, my beloved, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintiki to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The word of the Lord. <laughs> we've been working through this chapter and uh, working through the book of philippians and we come to these verses and the main verb the key verb in these verses here is stand firm we could say persevere continue hold fast it can be better described a roman soldier standing in front of an enemy unmoved not afraid or maybe we could get bigger, a Roman army of soldiers standing in front of their own enemies, unmoved, not going to be afraid. They will not stand there and be ashamed. And the church in Philippi is to stand firm. And, you know, here we are, we have that. Did y'all see that first word in that chapter 4, that word therefore again? You now, what do we do when we see the word therefore? We always ask why the therefore, what is there for? And so it takes us back to what we saw last week. And we saw in verse 20 last week that our citizenship is in heaven. And we said that every person who's a citizen in heaven is first born from heaven. Somebody had to come from from heaven to earth to accomplish a salvation for us. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He comes from heaven. He accomplishes a salvation for us from heaven on this earth. And then the Holy Spirit births us into the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit as we studied a little bit in John chapter 3. It's by the Spirit who works like the wind blowing in and where He will sovereignly, cleansing us of our sin and changing our natures and making us new. And then we saw also that if we're born from heaven and we're citizens of heaven, then we're awaiting a Christ. Christ to come back At the second advent, we're waiting for Christ to come and to transform these humble bodies with all our weaknesses, both both physically and spiritually. He's going to transform us, he says here, into the body of his glory. And that's going to all happen because of his mighty power. Remember we said Jesus comes with his own dynamite. Jesus, Jesus detonates his dynamite and when the power is unleashed, it subjects everything to him. Now, here's the question for the sermon. How shall we live as we eagerly wait for Jesus who's coming? And how shall we eagerly live as we await this transformation? And we have an answer here in verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown in this way, stand firm. It's in this way. There's the answer. What way? In the way of love. Stand firm in the way of love. Stand firm in the way of unity. And the last point will be stand firm in the way of love and unity. First, stand firm in the way of love. Now, I don't know if you have been reading and thinking about the whole book, but we're getting somewhere here. He's been bringing us to a certain point. He's been bringing us to a point where there's a woman and a woman at odds with each other, and He's got to address this situation. He's been salting us, and He's been getting us ready, and here He is one more, one last time before we talk about two ladies who are having a disagreement. He's telling us to stand firm. We've seen this verb in Philippians 1.27 where He says this, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, not being alarmed by your opponents. So you and I, as we face the world, and as we we're going to preach the gospel, and guess what? Mm, Going to offend people, going to have opponents, going to have difficulties, going to going to be persecuted. Well, what do we do? Well, we leave out of this place, like everybody's facing this way right now. We leave out of this, what, this place, facing the world, and we're not to be alarmed. We're not to be intimidated. We're to preach the gospel, understanding there's going to be some persecution. So we do this arm shoulder to shoulder. And then he says here in chapter 2, he tells us that we are to face one another. You remember that's what he says there in chapter 2. He says that you and I, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, then we are to make Paul's joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. I think maybe the best way to talk about this is to talk about men going out in battle. And I was, I was wondering, can I still use that illustration? So I looked at a YouTube I looked at some guys going into, war, into battle the other day, and you know what they were doing? They weren't in a trench, but they were all going the same direction, and they had their guns out, and they had their fatigues on, and they, looked, they, they were ready to go to war. It actually said uh, mature audiences. And so I watched these guys, and they were all going the same direction. So it still happens today, even though we do all these surgical strikes and all the things we can we know we can talk about. These men are still advancing forward, and at the end of the night, they all do what? They all get together and maybe it's not around a campfire. Maybe it's around a a microwave or maybe it's around the oven or something. But all these men get together and they all get out something to drink and they all fix their food and they all sit around and they all face each other. That's how it works. And that's how the church is supposed to work. We're supposed to leave this place. We're supposed to go out facing the world. I've said this to you many times. And then when we come back at night, we come here on Sunday morning. We go on Friday night. We go to our women's Bible studies, our men's Bible studies, and we have to face each other. We have to drink coffee together. We have to work it out. We have to get along. So the apostle, he calls us. First of all, as citizens of heaven, he says, stand side by side against the legalist. The legalist says that salvation is by faith in Christ plus good works. No, justification by faith is by by, um, your justification is by faith in Christ alone. He stands up and he says, you as citizens of heaven are to be standing side by side against the antinomians. Remember we said last a few weeks ago, the antinomian stands on the road. He says, I can believe in Jesus Christ and I can live any way I want to. And he falls in the ditch we call antinomianism. No, you and I are justified by faith alone. And we are to hold up the word of God and walk according to it and bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. We're to stand side by side as we face the world, preach the gospel, understanding we'll be persecuted. We're to follow godly examples on the Christian highway we've talked about in the past. And we're to follow the Apostle Paul who calls us to face one another in fellowship. The Apostle has been going somewhere, and here we are. He set the stage. You know, I think I tell my kids this all the time. I'll tell you all this. I tell them this. I said, if you ever had to tell anybody something difficult, what do I always say, Evan? I always say, load up the good stuff in the front and tell them the difficult thing in the end. Here we are. We're at the end. And what's he dealing with? <laughs> I mean, we've talked about standing firm and loving each other and having coffee and being in the same workout spot and looking each other in the eyes. And here he is. Oh, no. Oh, no. Look what he says here. I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintiki to live in harmony in the Lord. What's the problem? We're going to talk about it later. But here we are. He's been talking about love. He's been getting ready for this. He's not rushing into it like a bull in a china closet. You know, you ever had something on your mind and you know you should wait and you talk about it too soon? You ever done that? You know, you ought to wait. You ought to do what I said. You ought to have three chapters at at the front of it before you get to number four. Well, he's waited. And he's even going to do it again. Listen to the way he talks about other Christians. He doesn't go, I'm the apostle, you got to listen to me. Therefore, listen to this. My beloved brethren, whom I long to see, you guys are my joy and you're my crown. In this way, stand firm in the Lord. And then he adds another one. My beloved, stand firm in love. So you and I, when we see other Christians, we're not to walk around going, well, he's my, there's my people and that's your people. You ever heard people, people say that? Those are my, now, now, I understand every now and then somebody will come up to me and go, Pastor Mark, I'm going to go see my people. And I understand what they mean by that. Don't be saying that in the church. Those are your people? Well, these are my people. Those are your people. No. That's your group. That's my group. No, we don't talk that way. We talk about the brethren, and we talk about the sister And I know that's not a word, but I'm trying to make make sure you stay awake. Right? We talk about the beloved. We talk about the brothers and the sisters. How in the world does this man called Paul talk to Epaphroditus? Remember we talked about that probably months ago. How does a, a Pharisee, a strict Pharisee who's advancing far beyond all the other Pharisees ever talk to a man named after Aphrodite? How? Only because heaven came down and glory filled both of those men's souls. Only because of it. That's the only reason. How can this strict Pharisee call a Gentile dog my brother? Well, here's how. He writes in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12-15. He says, Remember that you Gentiles were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without god in the world but now in christ jesus you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of christ for he himself is our peace who made both groups hm both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace. That's how a strict Pharisee can call a man named Aphrodite a brother. Well, let me ask you before we move on. Has heaven come down? That's a song. We used to sing when I was a kid. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. <laughs> has heaven come down and glory, has glory filled your soul so that you can call one another brothers and sisters? No one said this is going to be easy. Um, let me. I'm, I'm going to lead you on a little goose chase for a second. On purpose, I'm going to try to trap you. So I'm letting you know up front. So I'm going to ask you now, Pastor Wheat's going to ask you, do you believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God? And everybody in here says, absolutely. In fact, when we ask this stuff, we ask this kind of question to the kids, I always say, how do you know the Bible is the word of God? And they all have memorized because I've told them a thousand times. How many times does the Bible say, thus saith the Lord over 2,000 times? Okay, I believe the Bible is the word of God. Here's the second question. I'm I'm trying to snag you. Okay, if you say that the Word of God is the authoritative Word of God, do you submit to this authoritative Word of God? Will you obey it? And you say, oh, yes, sir, preacher, I'll obey it. I'll I'll submit to it. All right, well, um, here's your chance. When church is over, you have to talk to me. You have to talk to me. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You have to talk to me. I have to talk to you. We have a chance to do it. We say the Bible is the word of God, I submit to the word of God. If you don't talk to me, you might give room for division. You might give room for problems between the two of us. And so you and I, we have to practice what we say we believe and submit to. Years ago, I think this came out of Jay Adams, but uh, he was counseling a husband and he said to the husband, Ephesians 5:25 says, "Sir, you must obey uh, you must love your wife As Christ loved the church? Do you love your wife as Christ loved the church? And he said, no. He said, okay, sir. He said, okay, sir. Uh, Jesus says, if you don't love your wife as Christ loved the church, Jesus says in the summary of the Ten Commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love your wife as, as Christ loved the church, then you have to love your wife as a neighbor. Will you love your wife as a neighbor? No. He said, oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. He says, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that you have to love your enemies and you have to pray for those who despitefully use you. Sir, will you who won't, won't obey your wife as Christ loved the church and as a neighbor, will you love your wife as an enemy? See, the jig's up. If you say the Bible is the word of God and I submit to it, the jig's up. You have to love, if you're having trouble loving your wife as a, as Christ loved the church and as a neighbor, you got to love her as an enemy. Or what's the answer? You're not a citizen from heaven. Now I'm not saying this is easy. If you're having a problem loving somebody, what's the only answer? The only answer is to get out on your knees and ask God to help you. That's the only answer. If you don't love your brother, you know what we call the word? What was that, those? There's every one of these shows out there. These D.C.I. shows and all these shows about, you know, homicide. Homicide. Homicide is killing a human being. Fratricide is when you kill your own brother or your own sister with the anger in your heart. Don't give any room to division. Go out and speak to each other. Now, that doesn't mean we, we um, can't agree to disagree. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But we have to choose to love each other. Now, here's the second point. Love one another. Stand firm in love. Love one another. Stand firm in love. Long for them. Long for them. If you think love is difficult, get ready for the next word. It's even more intense than the word love because the word longing here, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see. Now, it's really intriguing when, I, when I, I'm thinking. How did he how did Paul, who's been away from these Philippians, how did he begin to long for these people he hadn't seen in ten years? You know how? Because they kept sending money to him. All these eight hundred miles they'd sent money to him more than once. And then they sent their man, Epaphroditus, to him, and he stayed with them, and he almost died, and then he sends Epaphroditus back to them, and in the meanwhile, he's sending Timothy to them, and so their money's coming back and forth, and men are going back and forth, and prayers are going up to heaven, and all this results in a longing for this church that he was only with for a month. A minister tells a story of his brother's desire to find a wife, and he was just so stressed out about trying to find a wife that he, he went to his mom and his dad and his sister and he said, I'm, I'm, would, y'all, would y'all work on this with me? Would y'all kind of take responsibility for, for this for me because I'm having such a struggle? And so what they did was they came together and they came up with a program that they would find candidates and present them to him. And so the way this worked is they prayed and they'd bring a woman, they'd bring a woman up, they'd talk about it amongst themselves, and they'd say, okay... What do you think about this person? And he could say no or yes. And if it, he had a lot of starts and stops. Uh, letters would start. This is before social media, and you could look at everything that moves and know everything in a second. So there's, a, there's, there's some help in all of that, guys, you know, slowing down some. So anyway, as all these starts and stops take place, well, finally he gets a picture of a girl and he thinks she's attractive and his picture goes to her. And so they begin to carry on and talk to each other. Very few phone calls because it costs so much money. They were in different parts of the world. Letter after letter letter was read. And then finally he determined that he would ask her to marry him. His brother, who was a minister, came up and said to him, when she gets off the airplane... What if you say to yourself, this picture didn't do her justice? What if she says to herself, this picture of you didn't do you justice? Oh, no, what do we do? Can we just walk away and call the whole thing off? This is what the brother said to his brother, who is a minister. He said, are you through? Are you through? Write this down and don't forget it. Love is as much a question of the will as it is of the emotion. And if you love somebody, you can. Happened through letters, not many phone calls. And the apostle is longing for these people he had seen so little. Just like this man was longing for this woman whom he had seen so little. But remember those words, write this down and don't forget it. Love is as much a question of the will as it is of the emotion. And if you love somebody, if you choose to love somebody, you can, you can. Loving and longing and it's not going to be easy. When you go out and you love somebody, it may not be that you just get the heebie-jeebies and have emotions all over you. You may not. It may just be that you're saying to yourself, I'm doing this because Christ told me to do it. And it pleases Him. And so we go out and we do what we're supposed to do. And you know, I'm going I'm to be—I'm I'm go over a limb here a little bit. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Most of the time when I've gone out and done what I should do, the feelings follow. There's plenty of feelings. There's plenty of feelings. Go out from this... From, when you get up in the morning, you come to this place, you get on your knees and you go, Lord, I will to love these people. I will to be with these people. I will to make these people uh, you know, part of my family, the family of God. I'm going to be with them and worship God with them. Third thing, stand firm in love. Invest in them. Notice what he says at the very end of that sentence. He says, my joy and my crown. So he's been giving himself to them. Receiving gifts, receiving a man, receiving their ministry, and he's been investing in them to the point that he says about them, you're my joy. You know, my life because of you is better. My life because of your investment in me is better. And your life because of me is better because I've invested in you. You're my joy. You know, we think about these guys and... The, the, the guys, the athletes and in, in the track track and field world championships are coming coming forward, you know. And so, you know, think about uh the the ancient Roman games. Remember we said it's a six hundred and seven foot to one end of the stadium and six hundred and seven foot back. And when you get finished with the race, you are called up into the you know emperor's press box, if you will, and he gives you a crown. Jesus is going to give us a crown of righteousness. But Paul says, you know what You're my crown. You're my joy. Everything that I have done towards you, everything you've done towards me will be rewarded because of the investment we've made in one another. Not one hello, not one prayer, not one conversation, not one cup of cold water, not one encouraging word will go without us being rewarded. You're my joy. You're my reward. You're my crown. Then, here's number two. Stand firm in the way of unity. So Paul's setting the stage, right? Love each other, long for each other, invest in each other. Now we're going to talk about Euodia and Syntyche. <laughs> Say that fast ten times. Euodia and Syntyche. What's the problem with these two women? Well, why does he even talk about it? Well, because this disagreement must be Long-standing. It had become public knowledge, otherwise he wouldn't have brought it up. There's no doubt this disagreement has caused harm to the church's witness before the world. Now, here's another question. What was the disagreement that caused this division? To Paul's credit, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what the problem was. Nobody knows what the problem was he's just addressing that these two women are not agreeing and not getting along if it was a doctrinal issue we already know what Paul would have done he's already addressed the legalists he's already addressed the antinomians if it was a le- if it was a doctrinal thing he would have already addressed it but he's not addressing this he's just saying there's a problem is it the color of the carpet y'all all know what I'm talking about don't you you know, we build a new church building one day and somebody's gonna say, I want green, I want somebody else gonna say I want blue. Is it about the carpet? You know, sometimes folks, it's just it's just some minute thing. Not a big thing, it's a minute thing that gets between us and causes us to have a division. It's not a big thing most of the time. It's about the carpet. Is it about How to go out, whose house to have the Bible study in? (laughs) Is it about how to go out and share the gospel or where to go? Whatever it was, it was significant enough to bring up, but he doesn't tell us what it was. It has the potential of causing a problem in the church, and we can have two groups, the Euodians and the Syntychians. And Paul wants to stop it. He says, first of all, let me give you a few points. The urgency of the unity, right there in the first few words. I urge you, Odia, and I urge sintiki don't let any grass grow under your feet. Urgency, imploring them to get on with it. Number two, the equality of the unity. Did you notice the sentence there? I urge you, Odia, and I urge sintiki He doesn't say, I urge you, Odia. He doesn't say, I urge sintiki he says, I urge you, Odia and Sintiki. He balances it off. He even puts their names in alphabetical order. <laughs> Why don't we do that sometimes, right? So nobody thinks anybody's getting put forward, right? Evan's all, Evan and the the Wheats are always at the end in any kind of graduation. It's just how it works. So we don't get upset. Maybe they ought to change it around, put the Z's at the front and the A's at the end sometime. I don't know. Would that make us feel better? <laughs> It's balanced here. You two gals. You two gals. It's not you you and leaving one name out. Look at the object of the unity. Look at the women here. Verse 3 tells us three things about these women. They are women who have shared, Paul says, my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Think about it. When Paul goes to Philippi, he goes to a river where women are praying and remember, this is the place where Lydia, the seller of purple fabric, God opens up her heart. She receives the message preached by Paul. She's baptized along with her household. Euodia and Syntyche are probably there. It says prayer, a prayer meeting of women. They're probably there. These women are the beginning of the church. They're probably really prominent women. They're not, there's, some, there's some girls who are in there struggling with Paul for the church and the gospel. He calls them fellow workers in verse 3. So they're not lazy, they're not lethargic, they're toiling and they're tirelessly working and probably opening, opening up their homes and receiving people in their homes. And the third thing he says is this, he says, these women's, their na- their women, their names are in the book of life. Now remember we said last week to be on a Roman roll, that's a big deal, have your name in Rome, on the rolls of Rome. Well he says, these women, their names are in the book of of life, These are women who are citizens of heaven, yet they have a division between the two of them. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a citizen of heaven, born from above, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to have the Spirit of God, being able to go out and face the world, looking for Jesus to come, transform my humble estate to a glorious state, and I can't sit down and drink coffee with you Odia? What's that look like? That doesn't look good. That looks kind of bad. And so now let's look at the contents of this unity. He says, I urge you, Odea, and I urge Sentiki to agree with each other in the Lord. Isn't it interesting? Who who's needs to go first? Who needs to go first? Both of them. Who goes, who's, whose responsibility is to go first? Both of them are called on to go first. I urge both of you to agree. (laughs) Make the first move, Euodia. Make the first move, Syntyche, and agree with one another. Stop pulling against each other and pull together. Pull for one another and not opposing one another. You know, that's one of the things I think I'm I'm really... uh, A few weeks ago when we were studying uh, first... Samuel 18. You remember when David David goes out, kills Goliath, smooth stone, sling, cuts off Goliath's head. And the first thing that Jonathan does is he says, that's a great guy. I love that guy. Not my rival, not my competitor. I make him my friend. I make a covenant with him. He's on my team. He's not against me. That's what you guys, you guys get together. Don't pull against each other. Pull for each other. And then he says, here's the helpers. Look, it says in verse 3, Indeed, true, comp, true companion, I ask you also to help these women. So the first part of the process is this. Solve your own problem. You first. You've got to go to each other. You each have your responsibility. Second part of the process. He goes and he says to a true companion, Give assistance. He doesn't tell Euodia and Sentiki go and ask for assistance. He tells somebody to give assistance. Who goes first? They go first, and the compa- this companion goes first. They're all supposed to go first. They're all supposed to, need, not, not one of them allow any grass to grow under their feet. Now, one of the interesting things about this true companion statement is this. It's one word in the Greek, and it's sisygus, it's, uh, And sisygus literally means true companion or yoke fellow. It's a person who is able to bring people together in the same yoke and help them work together. So here's the question. Is this a man named Syzygus, One man, he's calling Sisygus and asking Sisygus his name to live according to his name and bring these women together, or could this be that he's talking to a group of companions? Is it a person or is it many persons that he's calling on to give help? We don't know exactly. Maybe one or the other. But here's a little caveat. If you're a Syzygous, if you're a helper, or if you're one of the helpers, remember who you're talking to. These are women who are strong women. These are strong working women. These are gospel uh, struggling for the gospel sort of women. Their names are written on the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't degrade them. Don't fault them. Try to help them. I think I've said to several of you, we all need help at times, don't we? Don't we all need help at times? Don't we all need somebody to come alongside us and say, hey, let's think this over. Let's work this thing out between you and, you know, your centiki and bring about reconciliation. So as we come here to the third point, which is basically application very quickly. Standing firm in love and unity. As we deal with this unity in our church, Philippians 2.12, let me read that to you real quick. Philippians 2.12, so, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your plural corporate salvation with fear and trembling. It's all of us. It's going to be all of us working out these sorts of things. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to take work. And as we come to deal with this disunity and disagreements, if you're a euodia or you're a Sintiki, your first thing to do is go first. You have to go first. You have to go and take care of it first. You have to be responsible first. You're urged to go to each other. And you're urged to agree to disagree on it but work through it. it it's usually not a doc, like I said, it's usually not a doctrinal thing it's usually something we don't need to let fester and One of the things I think we might think about, and the reason I read verse five in in this context is because I think we might need to dip down and think about what it says there he says be, um, He says, "Let your gentle spirit be known to all men." and one commentator called gentle." He said it means big-hearted. Big-hearted. A big-hearted person doesn't insist on his rights. A big-hearted person, you know, that's one of the, I don't know, I'm going to I'm going to brag on myself. In in session meetings years ago, we were getting ready to build a building. They're building it right now in California. I told them I'll never argue with you guys over the carpet. And they all laughed. Every time I said it, they laughed. I'm never arguing over the carpet. I'm never going to argue over how, I mean, I might want more seats, but I'm not going to argue over that. The only thing that's really going to bother me, we're going to obey the Bible. We want to preach and teach the Bible. I would rather be injured than injure somebody else. That's the big hearted person. I'm not going to compromise on the Scripture. But Euodia out there, Sintiki out there, Be big-hearted and understand that the best way to resolve these other issues is to have this big heart and not not put your rights first. Let other people have their way sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord, he says there in verse 4. Get this straightened out. Well, what if you're a true companion? What if you're a syzygus? Well, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to both of them. (laughs) And you're supposed to try to pull them together. And you're supposed to help them work these things out. And you're supposed to say something like this. Hey, now listen you said to you, Odie and Tiki, Do you realize what this looks like? This just doesn't look good to the world. You guys are waiting on Jesus to come. You're waiting on this body of yours to be transformed. You say you're a citizen of heaven and you're preaching the gospel. But you can't drink a cup of coffee with each other out to eat. Think about that, Brother. Think about that, sister. What does it look like? Okay, you Odia, sintiki and true companions out there, you have your assignment. Be the first. Be the first to keep the fellowship. Be the first to keep the harmony. Be the first to show the love. Be the first, as we get, go to this afternoon, to speak to one another. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for loving us. We thank You for these words of encouragement. Lord, we want to obey Your Word and we want never to compromise on it. But Lord, when it comes to other things, we pray that You would give us big hearts. Uh, Lord, big hearts to uh, learn to agree to disagree on things. Big hearts to give up our rights to be first or to have our way to be tender, to be willing to be injured rather than injure someone else. To be patient at times, to let things unfold, uh, to wait on you to work things out many times. Many times things, Lord, will just work out. if We just hold our tongue. And you work, work in the heart of the people around us. You're at work in us and through us. Father, we thank you for this word. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be among us and strengthen us to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, Lord, that we might sing and we might say thanks to you in all things. We'll praise you for it. We thank you for this this time and of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.